0: Hello and welcome everyone to Sacred Balance. I'm your host, Jui Rami. Sacred Balance is a special space created for seekers where we come together to explore deeper dimensions of life and share spectacular stories of people who are avidly seeking that balance while thriving and tasting magic of life and all its possibilities. So come join us and together let's make it happen. Eric Solheim is a well-known global leader on environment and development, as well as an experienced peace negotiator. Currently, he's a senior advisor at World Resources Institute. He also serves as the CEO of Plastic Revolution Foundation. Eric also is the chief mentor of the Global Alliance for Sustainable Planet and chairman of the board of Afro Shah Foundation in Mumbai. His accomplishments, his service to humanity and environment are exemplary. And above all, his green optimism, his passion and foresight to recharge and rejuvenate India with an environment movement, while inspiring and involving India's youth to join the cause, wins your heart as you listen to this conversation. Hope you join our Green Dream movement and together We look forward to creating a planet that will help sustain and thrive our future generations to come. Hi Eric, welcome to Sacred Balance Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, it's my pleasure.
0: We're so, so excited to have you. It's It's been such an honor and pleasure to have you today. And we are grateful that you made time to make this happen. And your work is so inspiring and it influences us across the world. And I wanted to talk to you about so many topics and main thread of the conversation that we wanted to focus on today was the green optimism that you're creating a wave on. And how your leadership can help India to lead. So, I wanted to ask you to begin with, Eric, how did this whole journey start for you to become a passionate environmental leader? What's the story behind Eric Solheim?
1: Well, I think my story is about uh, growing up in Norway, which uh-huh. I tend to believe is an immensely beautiful country. I mean, come and see, and you make your own judgment, but we tend to believe that our country is fantastically beautiful, but of course Americans think America's beautiful, Chinese that China's beautiful, and, and so on. Uh, in all all my summer holidays we spent up in the Norwegian mountains, I was out there, of course, for any number of, of hikes, uh, following the cows, so there are cows and their cows and sheep walking freely in the mountains, and uh, I love the cows, I love the sheep, and I wanted to, to join the farmers in, in keeping the, the cows. So, uh, I really got into the love of nature and in Oslo, the capital. We are uh-huh. extremely lucky because with a twenty minutes uh, twenty minutes uh, um, survey drive in any direction, we will be out in the forest, so it's wow. a very easy city to to live in if you want to, to if, if you're in love of nature
0: that's beautiful and how did your work with youth? In India started you know you're really influential with lawmakers in India and your powerful you know work that you have done all across the world to make green policies that can bring real change in the environment can you share a little bit about your work in that arena and help our listeners gain insight on how India can also lead with this green dream
1: Yes, uh, for uh, a number of years I was the chief negotiator in the peace process in Sri Lanka, which is, of course, India's neighboring country. And mm-hmm. th- those days I went to India maybe every month to discuss with Indian leaders the progress or sometimes lack of progress in the peace process in Sri Lanka. And mm-hmm. I came to have some knowledge of India and a love for India. I mean, love for Indian food and Indian culture and Indian religion but also the understanding that the future of humanity to a large extent depend on India. In the very near future, India will be the most populous nation in the world. In a few decades, there will be close to 2 billion people living in India alone, many, many, many more than in the Americas or in Europe. So if we don't take an interest in India, it's, uh, it's, we, we miss it out simply in the West.
0: Yes, that's definitely true. And how was your recent trip to India? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: That, of course, came during the most dire circumstances in India. Yes. Uh, I was, we were planning the trip uh, in March when it, everything looked very good. And mm-hmm. in there, my, my good friend Harsh Vaidanshi, who's the Minister of Health, was close uh-huh. to declaring victory. India was out of the woods. Uh, it seemed that India would have passed the corona without any major uh, difficulties. But then all of a sudden, the, the virus hit back. It was a huge spike. And yeah. Yeah, we can all see the, the news from India now. In the, India is struggling. For sure, yes. India will come out of, the, out of this. I mean, India will overcome. I, 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 in, in the future, will be still the strong nation it is. But yes. this is the most, most difficult time in India. And I feel the pain of so many people. Yes.
0: And how uh, during the pandemic you were traveling, how was that for you? Did you feel safe? Were you careful? Um, you got your vaccine and everything, right?
1: I had coronavirus myself in January. Uh, yeah. so of course you, you cannot uh, you can hardly get it twice, so I, I feel completely safe and now I'm even uh, vaccinated, so I'm, I'm the safest person on planet yeah. Earth at the moment. Uh, yeah. But of course, the people I met, they were all worried. Many were scared. They told yes. me stories about how, how many people in their de- department in in their apartment uh, area who had been um, infected or at the, at the workplace or how many of their friends. Even some people, of course, uh, know people had, had died or had even close relatives who had died. So uh, it it's a very, very sad situation for India, particularly the fact that some people cannot survive because of, of lack of oxygen, where the lives could have been spared if they could, could get access to oxygen.
0: Yes, I saw you and your wife both had corona in January and were recovering together. So I'm so happy that you, you know, came out of that and without any complications because so many struggle with that, you know. Post-corona, they have breathing issues and they have, you know, so many neurological complications after recovering from Corona.
1: There are unfortunately many negative long-term effects also. In in India, there is a fungus which has affected a number of people and it's very, very uh, dangerous. I mean, it seems to be 50%, close to 50% deadly. Uh, My good friend, Afro Shah, the great environment activist in in, in Mumbai, his mother uh, is suffering from this fungus just oh. as an example. So there are, there, are, there are so much pain, so much uh, long-term effects. Yeah. On the other hand, also so many heroes standing up, trying to, people who use the rickshaws to bring people to hospitals, doctors are working around the clock. Let's also celebrate all those people who really, really show solidarity. My, my good, my best Indian friend here in Oslo, is running the best Indian restaurants in Oslo. Friday the yeah. last week, he dedicated the entire turnover for his restaurant. Yeah. Uh, to 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 buy uh, to buy uh, oxygen uh, concentrators to him then. He made 18 lakh rupees,
0: which yeah. is quite
1: a substantial amount from from that turnover. So let's celebrate uh, the heroes.
0: Yes, most definitely. India is resilient, and India will come shining through this whole pandemic. I, I it really makes me wonder, Eric. Do you think this pandemic and what's happening has to do with environment and how are they connected? And how have we played a role in making this calamity happen?
1: Uh, It's a a relationship between the pandemic and and environment in many different ways. Yeah. Uh, Start with the origin. I mean, in all likelihood, uh, the origin of the coronavirus was in Wuhan, China, Mm -hmm. where where some uh, virus coming from bats have uh, infected maybe some other animals at the outdoor market, and then came into the to the human body. So our relationship to wildlife, uh, of course, uh, from the very beginning, is a precarious one, and that that's that's part part of the story. But yeah. also uh, the, the, on the positive side, uh, the uh, the pandemic has shown us the enormous potential for for nature to rebound. Yes. in India, in, in the northern Indian cities, I mean. For decades people didn't see the himalayas All yeah of a sudden, if you were in uh, inland or or you could you could see as you, uh, so you could see the himalayas and then yes. that uh, in south south Africa penguins were walking down the street um,
0: so
1: yes. Cape Town in in Japan they were there in the in the big cities in Europe there were bears and and the big and the fantastic outdoor national parks in the in the United states people spoke of, about the wildlife party or wildlife bonanza. So, it has shown that nature will bounce back and the good lesson for that is that when we we stop mistreating Mother Earth, it will bounce back, nature will come back, animals will come back.
0: Yes, I saw pink flamingos, you know, at the ocean in Mumbai (laughs) walking around after so long flying in, you know. So, there is some hope there and if we all work together we can truly recover and build a, you know, humanity that's conscious of environment and Mother Earth.
1: Indeed, and of course, coronavirus also has showed the enormous potential for global leadership. Yes. Some nations have done fantastically well. Australia and New Zealand are two examples. So, so with China, Singapore, Korea, Vietnam. Uh, yes. with Vietnam, which is 100 million people, a relatively poor nation, they have a handful of people that die, who has died from coronavirus, and of yes. course it shows the leadership of, of, of that country and what we can learn from, learn from that. Yes. It's a re- remarkable example when you compare it to Europe or North America or, or now India.
0: Wow, that is a remarkable example for sure. And how do you think, Eric? your ex- expertise, your knowledge, your previous experiences, and all the inspiration that you bring in, how do you think it could make India, you know, lead into that green dream and actually make it a reality? What projects are you working on to make that happen? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure, but first of all, of course, the Indian green dream will originate from India, for sure, not not not, yes. not, not, not from me. Uh, and there is a huge shift going on in India because for all the years I was traveling to India, the old debate was do we Indians want to develop or do we want to take care of Mother Earth? Yeah. And then, surprise, surprise, the vast majority wanted to develop. For sure, uh-huh. a few environmentalists said Mother Earth is more important, but the vast majority said we are so poor, there are so many development challenges, we want yes. the broad middle class, we want to develop. But that is so much uh, the discussion of the 20th century. In the 21st century, we have the mm-hmm. win-win proposition, not yes. ecology or economy, but mm-hmm. how to promote ecology and economy by win-win solutions. The most important is, of course, the renewable energy. Mm-hmm. India is now in, in spearheading uh, with China and others, the global solar revolution. India has the lowest price of solar anywhere in the world. And it will be possible for India to make giant steps out of poverty based on renewables and yes. that means that coal plants can be put into the shelves so yes. from these old either or either development or environment into yes. the new yes please thank you both ecology and yes. uh, uh, eco- economy it's the win-win proposition of the future
0: yes it's the marriage of
1: economy and ecology so i, I try. i tried to encourage India to, to really speak up on, on these opportunities
0: uh-huh. because Prime
1: Minister Modi has formed the International Solar Alliance. And yes. He did it with um, the President Macron of France. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's an it's a Indian initiative at the core and it shows the potential of India to lead in a very important area. India, wow. by the way, also has uh, the first all-solar airport in the world in Kerala. There's wow. The first all-solar rail station in the world in Assam. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Delhi Metro, which is a huge, as you know, metro system, will soon be powered by solar. So, India yeah. has, has an enormous opportunity to, uh, to develop uh, domestically based on solar, but also to export solar technology and, and jobs to the world.
0: And I saw in Ahmedabad, in the Gujarat state, um, they were running all the buses, they became solar recently. I saw that. That was pretty cool.
1: Yes, there's been a huge progress in uh, in green um, uh, solar power buses in many, many cities in, in, in India, which is really encouraging. Of course, yeah. still China is the world leader on electric buses, but India is now uh, catching up fast. Uh, it's it's admirable. It is My huge, role is really. simply, simply to inspire people, and, uh, and I, I work with a lot of youth. Many young people, students, come to me and ask for some kind of mentorship. I work with Afro Shah, the great, fantastic uh, environment activist in Mumbai, who's leading spearheading global action on plastic waste. Uh, And I work with um, uh, Ash Pashavri, the son of Dr. Pashavri, who, uh, who led the International uh, Panel for Climate Change the head head of the Popper Alliance, and a number of other people across India. But my role is just to tell them, don't don't be shy, don't be, uh, don't be modest. Uh, India has such an important role to play in the world.
0: Yes, that's really, really admirable that you are doing that encouraging and inspiring for Indian leaders and especially your work with youth because they're going to be tomorrow's leaders and you mentoring and guiding them, you know, and boosting them is is really, really encouraging. And we really are grateful that you're doing that. It's really, 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 really awesome.
1: Absolutely, because India is one of the youngest nations in the world and the population is much, much younger compared mm-hmm. to China or Korea or Japan in East Asia, compared to the US or Europe. And yes. Indian youth will be an absolute decisive force force for the future. Yeah, uh, And I see activists popping up basically in every, every state in India. Uh, yeah. And if we can encourage them, uh, ask them to stay strong and forceful it's such such a force for good in the world
0: yeah thinking back about your conversation with Sadhguru in 2017 what left the biggest impression on you from that and how do you think youth you know Sadhguru also started youth and truth campaign and he you know focuses a lot on working in you know, inspiring youth to make changes whether it's environmental policies or you know spiritual uh, or rally for rivers or working with farmers and you know in many ways can you talk a little bit about that
1: absolutely i was uh, very impressed uh, meeting with Sadhguru guru in uh, in berlin as it was at the time but uh, i'm also really looking <coughs> really looking forward to go to Tamil Nadu to see him Uh, same uh, uh, in India, he's he's an inspiring leader. I think a very important message from him, which is of course in a way at the core of Indian or Eastern philosophy is that uh, we need to seek harmony, harmony in life, harmony between humans and nature, harmony between different humans, uh, harmony between our soul and um, uh, our body. It's a bit different from the Western thinking where we Mm -hmm. tend to focus more on freedom. Freedom of the individual, while their perspective of harmony, there's no necessary contradiction between the two. I mean, freedom is good, but for sure, harmony is essential for any society. And adding to that, Sadhguru is also very, very practical. He has, as you hinted too, he has started this uh, Rally for Rivers campaign, which is about saving the great, beautiful rivers of India, Ganga yes. being the most most well-known, of course, but there are so, so many others, and yes. also very practical in including the farmers, looking into how they can benefit from environment progress, because if you yes. don't do environment progress with the people, uh, it will never work.
0: Yes, and he also, you know, focuses a lot on ecology and economy working together to boost the farmers, so they don't feel like they're missing out on, you know, survival um, because they want to do something environmental.
1: We should simply forget the old message of ecology or economy and move into the new thinking of win-win.
0: How can
1: a farmer both take better care of Mother Earth while at the same time provide a better livelihood for himself or or herself and uh, and the family? And That's of course not not possible. In Andhra Pradesh, as an example, there are now um, a lot more than one million farmers are moved into a green agriculture where they reuse uh, the agriculture waste as fertilizer, uh, and they do uh, nat- natural uh, activities to keep insects away. Uh, mm-hmm. So the emissions are less, uh, and the impact on nature is less, while the, while the uh, harvests are mu- much, much better than in the past. So it's a, it's a win-win.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, do you have any projects in South India that you'll be working on in the future, endeavors uh, or working with Sadhguru in South India in some form?
1: I had planned to go to Tamil Nadu and Kerala during the, the visit, but I had to had to postpone now because of, of COVID-19. But but indeed, I hope to hope to work with people in Southern India also uh, also in, in in the future. And I'm linking up with uh, some activists in, in Tamil Nadu, for instance. They have the so-called tree. Uh, tree ambulance um, uh, scheme, which is origin- originated in, in Chennai, which I, where I'm on the board. So yes, indeed, I also want to support people in, in Southern India.
0: Yes. And you have any plans to work with Sadhguru himself for like Rally for Rivers project in South India?
1: If in any way I can support him, I'm ha- ha- happy to do it. Uh, and it's also time to bridge the gap between People who are on the secular side and people who are, are on the religious side, yes. uh, we need to fight together for uh, for the environment. I mean, some intellectuals don't like uh, religious people, but but mm-hmm. they, they need, simply need to get into a, a better better way of thinking. All yes. on the planet, people seek spirituality. They speak, they seek guidance for environment action uh, in the different religions. By the way, yes. the Bible starts and ends with with the. With the uh, with nature, in yeah. the opening, God says that He, he has created the world and is very very happy with what he, what He did and it's so beautiful, yes. and it ends with a huge vision uh, of the John the, uh, the apostle sitting on a Greek island uh, having a great vision of of, of of the rivers of the world. So, uh, in every religion, whether it's Hinduism or Christianity or whatever, um, yeah. and taking care of Mother Earth is so central to the thinking.
0: Yes, and, and environment and taking care of Mother Earth is beyond religion. It's actually more spiritual, you know? Your connection with the Earth that nourishes you is, is very a spiritual connection.
1: Of course, all the original religions of humanity tended to start with nature. They were yeah. bringing in different symbols from nature. Uh, spirits from nature, gods from nature, Uh, Hinduism uh, being the oldest of all religions, of course, uh, 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 a way of taking forward these uh, uh, original uh, um, religions, and and all all later religions are are built upon that. So we we cannot make any any separations. You
0: know, since 2017, Rally for Rivers that Sadhguru launched in India has been a great success. Do you think it can be replicated in other parts of the world?
1: I think there is uh, the same need uh, to take care of rivers everywhere in the world. Yeah. Of course, uh, some nations have done that quite well. I mean, if you look to Germany, they have cleaned up the Rhine in a uh, fantastic way. I mean, it's uh, when, uh, in my, my city, Oslo, when I was a child, our city river was, a, was simply a sewage full of pollution from different factories. Now yes. it's uh, very, very clean. Uh, along the river uh, at that time I was told by my mother don't, don't never never go to the river now yeah. it's full of outdoor outdoor restaurants uh, there are schools and universities there uh, uh, playgrounds for children and mm-hmm. along the fjord which also was heavily polluted we cannot uh, walk and, and go for a swim anytime it may be a bit cold in winter <laughs> but I yeah. think we can do, do it in summer so this has happened in many parts of the world but but Indeed, uh, what Sadhguru has achieved uh, in India is an inspiring example of uh, how, how, we can, how we can work to improve the rivers. On and the,
0: and the same thread of the inspiration question, how do you think we can inspire others to care about the environment? What concrete steps do you think we can take? You know, you and I are speaking today, talking about environment. That's like one way of bringing it through technology to larger audiences and bringing more awareness. But what are some of the other ways we can inspire others to take care of the environment?
1: I'm not aware of any human being which doesn't have a love for nature.
0: So uh,
1: I try to speak to people about what part of nature that person loves. I mean, you tend to love a place maybe from your childhood, or a place yeah. you consider particularly beautiful, or or it may be the, the park, or the forest, or the river which is close to your home and which you visit every day, but wherever you are on planet Earth, there is the beauty uh, of this incredible planet, so uh, no one wants to destroy it. Uh, yes. So we, we simply need to take this higher on the agenda, and need to protect it. It also of course, economic common sense, because if you destroy what brings us all the all our uh, all our food all our uh, oxygen uh, our water everything else we we need it will destroy the life of humanity but i think let's start with our love for nature that's the driving force driving flame inside us
0: yes and you know it's very easy to take a pessimistic view of the world right now sometimes i feel and especially the opposite direction the United States has taken during the past four years, in particular with the environmental issues. Is there space for optimism? How do you generate hope for the environment?
1: I think we are at the most optimistic uh, time ever when it comes yeah. to the environment. Um, look to the four main actors. What Joe Biden has proposed in the United States, I and mean, in his infrastructure bill, for yeah. instance, is the most remarkable green program ever suggested in the US, and he will make charging stages for electric vehicles, take better care of the national parks, uh, replace uh, pipelines with lead, uh, invest heavily in in renewables. And interestingly enough, even even the red states like Texas, there are huge, enormous plans um, for renewables in, in wind and solar in Texas yeah. red for those are not Americans meaning republican uh, states. so yes. the us is rapid and all the big companies in the us microsoft mm-hmm. has made the most astonishing um, promise of any company in the world they will not only be carbon neutral by 2030 but they will they will replace compensate for all emissions uh, in the history of the company yes. so the, there's an enormous positive change going on in the U.S., but exactly the same is happening in China. China now has half of all the electric, uh, 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 sorry, of all the solar, solar industries in the world. They're the biggest solar, uh, wind nation. They have 70 percent of high-speed rail and 99 percent of all electric buses. Are, China is is moving. Uh, exactly at the same time in the same green direction as the U.S. And India, we've always spoken about being a world leader on solar energy. And in Europe, uh, they're developing what's called the European Green Deal, uh, uh, which means that the European Union is driving the environment policies all over the continent. So there's never been uh, a moment of such optimism as it is today. When when U.S., China, Europe, and India is moving in the same direction, it will make a lot of difference.
0: Wow, and there was some recent news about America united with, you know, India in making some environmental changes. Can you talk a little bit about that? This was something recent that I was reading up on the news.
1: Uh, I haven't seen anything specific. I mean, the the main focus recently, of course, has been about uh, on the COVID nineteen recovery. Yeah, um, where, where China, where India, sorry, has so strongly encouraged the U.S. to. Uh, make uh, patents available, which they have decided to do, and to make raw materials for for the for the COVID nineteen uh, va- vaccines. Yes. Yes. But it, it seems overall that uh, that we, we will see a lot more cooperation between India and the U S in this era, but also hopefully with Europe and China and others.
0: Well, that's pretty cool to hear. That really is, you know, brings a lot of optimism about the green dream that we're, you know, all dreaming. <laughs>
1: Yes, and uh, if we move on from climate to nature, but the direction is positive. I mean, the n- number of tigers uh, in India is gradually increasing. Nepal yeah. could just celebrate that i have been the first nation, which has doubled in the number of tigers. Mm-hmm. True, of course, it has come down to a very low level, but at yeah. least it, it's starting to increase. And this is not by chance, this is due to very good conversa- conservation efforts in states like Madhya Pradesh or Maharashtra or, or Rajasthan or Assam, where they connect, for instance, they connect um, um, national parks so that the tiger can move from one national park to another, for instance, to find a mate. So mm-hmm. um, make it in such a way that they're not harming the villagers uh, on, on the way. So uh, there uh, and for sure make our passes or underpasses of a tiger or elephant for that matter. is not hit by the train or by, by a car. So while, this is still in the beginning,
0: yeah
1: uh, uh, there is a lot of positive progress on on wildlife conservation in india
0: and you know new innovative technologies uh, such as solar and electric and hopeful tools that can reverse some of the damage we have caused Mother earth, you know and now and how we can reduce the pollution and rejuvenate soil degradation that you know is is the ultimate problem because it, it affects the food and the quality of food that we eat. How do you think we can you know, look forward to some of these more newer technologies coming in and helping us reverse some of the damage that we have caused?
1: There are so many new exciting technologies now coming which will have major impact. Uh-huh. Uh, just as an example, we will get apps where you can follow uh, the entire value chain for a product which you buy. Which means oh, that the consu- cool. consu- consumer can know where was this food uh, grown, where was it cultivated, who has brought it to the market, uh, uh-huh. what what is the impact on the environment of all this, and then you can reject products you don't want. Not everyone will do that, but it, but if quite if a substantial number does demand the green products which are coming up in the app, well, it will have a huge uh, huge uh, huge difference. Yeah. Look to one area where India is leading, that's the vegetarian diet. I mean, I'm I'm eating meat, but not, uh, but I try to not eat too much. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, we need our role at the planet to eat uh, eat less uh, meat than we have done. But now, of course, uh, there is any number of products that taste like meat, feels like meat. The yes. turkey fried chicken, uh, the McDonald's, all these chains are even introducing uh, these vegetarian based products, which have all the facets of meat but without the need to slaughter an animal. And of course, India historically has been the heaven of vegetarian uh, uh, diet, cuisine yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. diet. And in Southern India, I think maybe 50% of the people is are, are vegetarian and it's the place to go if you want tasty, delicious uh, yes. uh, vegetarian food. So yeah. this shift will come and it's added by, by new, new technologies. And of course, our information technology can add an enormous amount of value to, to renewables. You can make the renewable in, in, in industry much, much more efe- efficient uh, by information technology. I mean, new, new cars, for instance, will use much less, uh, te- much less energy because yes. they are Full of, of IT uh, equipment, which uh, reduce the, the need for for, uh, yeah. for fuel.
0: I mean, Tesla and its leadership has inspired a lot of auto industry makers to make cars that are electric. Because Tesla, Tesla has been that you know <laughs> that that inspiring force in the auto industry. I think.
1: And is there any better uh, be, <laughs> better Sign that uh, there is there is no contradiction between economy and ecology. Uh, I think Tesla is now 10 times more uh, worth at the stock exchange than General Motors. General Motors are making a lot, still making many more cars than Tesla, but the market believe that Tesla is the future. So that's why they invest heavily in Tesla. Of course, you see the same. Uh, all over the planet. I mean, China has a huge number of automakers now making electrical vehicles. And some of yes. them are traditional car makers, but some of them are the high-tech companies, like I mean, the Apples in the mm-hmm. U.S. or the uh, or the Huawei in China going into making <laughs> electrical vehicles. So a revolution is, uh, on, on, is happening there, but Tesla has really been spearheading that revolution for sure. Yes,
0: for sure. And, you know, I just saw, Eric, one car that China was making was only $5,000 for an electric car. And I was like blown away by the technology and innovation and inspiration of the whole thing. Like for $5,000, an electric car, I was like, wow.
1: No, absolutely. And this is now the best, most best-selling car in the world, is selling even even more than Tesla. But of course, you, Tesla get more income from their much much more expensive cars. Yes, but Tesla That's has so a mega factory in in Shanghai. So again, it shows the, the importance of a glo- global economy where we work together.
0: Yeah, that that is the whole you know part of that equation: global economy. What you just said. Because if we can all be part of that conversation, and global economy is is in fruition and really flowering, then you know there is there is like less about you and me, but it becomes more like we, you know, us together in it.
1: I think maybe the word together is the most important in the world because together, mean in yes. U.S., India, China, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. If we can work together, we can achieve miracles. If we waste our time on conflicts and disputes, uh, we will achieve very little.
0: Yes. And how do you think we can gain a sense of balance in the world and move towards unity and away from divisiveness?
1: I think the most important is to try to look at every issue with the eyes of others, and for the United States to try to understand what how issues look like from New Delhi or from Beijing, for yeah. the Chinese, on their hand, to look into how issues look like from from the West, uh, if you take a little bit of that view rather than uh, for, rather than just enforcing your own, uh, then then a lot more will be achieved. But this, of course, is the same everywhere. I mean, if you. If you're married and you just look on every issue from your own angle, <laughs> not from from your wife or husband, uh, at the long run, in the long run, that marriage will not work. You, yes. you need compromises, and you need to put the eyes of others on issues. Yes.
0: yes, yes, it's definitely about us, than just me, 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 and it's all about inclusive consciousness that we would want to, you know, see in the world become more of a conversation and, and actually a success for the mother earth to fully recover and thrive you know on all levels
1: and so for what us you, in the west is, is to take a little bit more of this uh, attitude of harmony which is so strong both in chinese and yes. in culture put, put harmony front and center and look into what uh, i mean this is this is basically what jesus christ said also what you want others to do to you is yes. what you should do to them Uh, So, it's in all cultures, but we we just need to do it, not just to talk.
0: Yes. Was there a moment in your life, Eric, that you could see as being the most influential on your path to your work on environmental policies?
1: It has been a gradual uh, development, I have to say. Um, Maybe the most uh, emotional uh, developments in my life came in the peace process in Sri Lanka, where, of course, so many of the people I have loved and known uh, and respected, they were killed, there were Tamil tigers, uh, people killed, but also government officials killed, close friends, Mm -hmm. Um, that, of course, gives you a perspective on on life. that well, we, we need compromise, we need to work together, we are in it yes. together. If we just double down on our own views, we will come nowhere.
0: Yes. So you were just recently in India, and did you, do you feel um, content with everything that you wanted to accomplish during your trip? Or do you have some things that didn't get finished and you're planning to go back again sometime soon when the pandemic is more under control?
1: I hope to come back to India as soon as the pandemic uh, is under control. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are working on a big investment scheme with the Indian government with the aim of mobilizing uh, big money for climate adaptation in India, which will uh, will be very concrete benefits for farmers. Uh, So it's 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 not just a a theoretical scheme, but something very tangible, very close to people. Wow. Uh, I will work with Arthur Af- Shah on his uh, foundation, setting up uh, to learn from the enormous beach cleanups he has uh, organised in, uh, in Mumbai. Yeah. Uh, and I will, I will try to meet up with students and young people as many places as I can, make some some uh, some lectures in different universities, but also uh, meet up with other pe- young people and to yes. be inspired myself because nothing is more inspiring than meeting with people but hopefully also i can inspire some some to do even more and better
0: yes and especially youth inspires all of us you know because they bring that new fresh energy and gusto to make things happen in the world so
1: we tend to forget that nearly all major changes in world history came from young people i mean yes united states america those who run the civil rights movements in the 1960s. They yeah. were teenagers, so they were in the early 20s. Martin <laughs> Luther King, the old man in the movement, he died at the age of 38. It was a, uh, it was a movement of young people completely transforming uh, America. And of course, uh-huh. the same, same we have seen now with the, with the Green Movement of the World. It's started with young people and come from young people, but also inspiring grandmothers and grandparents, and uh, many others. Uh, yes. that's the, but the kind of the energy, the driving force very often are, uh, are young people. Same okay. in science. I mean, we, we tend to, if you see a photo of Albert Einstein, you believe he's a very old man because he's very old in the photos, yes. <laughs> but, but when he launched the special theory of relativity, he was 26. Yes. Sitting in a, in a small, small apartment in Bern, Switzerland with his then wife uh, they had maybe one or two rooms, Plus he, was, he, was, he, was, he was poor and he was young. Uh, yes. Later, he, was, he became famous and, and old and that's what you see in the photos.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's definitely true. You know, being from Norway, a country that has protected its natural beauty so well, do you think this is cultural or is it political? Is it rooted in well-being and a higher degree of consciousness, which provides more mental space for people to reflect on the entire environment?
1: I think to be a little bit uh, harsh on, on the Norwegians, I think it's mainly luck. We, are a, we have very few people mm-hmm. <laughs> in a very beautiful a big land, yeah. uh, so the impact of people is less. I mean, if you look to the nation which has been most successful uh, conserving nature by political decisions. I think Germany is far ahead of Norway because Germany is 80 million people in a, in a heavily populated part of Europe and they've done very, very well. We, we have just been lucky up here because we are a few uh, and the land is so, so wide and the mountains cannot wow. be that much disturbed.
0: And you spend most of your time in Norway. Of course, you travel all across the world for your environmental causes and the work that you do, um, but your most of your time is spent in Norway, correct?
1: Yes, of course, uh, we have also done a number of things, right? We, when I was minister, for instance, we launched a huge number of new national parks and yeah. here in Oslo, we have protected the city forest, which is an enormous, uh, 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 enormous jewelry for, for the town where you can Go into nature in, in all directions, and it's concern now for future generations. So, yeah. not that we have done everything wrong in Norway, but we have also been lucky with the with the small population in the big land.
0: Yeah, that is really really cool. And so, as a young person, you you were inspired to bring that into the world and other parts of the world, and and really bring environment at its top priority. Did you ever work with Al Gore?
1: Yes, I worked with him in, in, on different occasions, uh, for instance, in the World Economic Forum in, in Davos on, or in, of course, I met him when he came to Oslo to receive the, the Nobel Peace Prize. So yes, yes, uh-huh. I worked with him, for sure.
0: That's pretty cool. Well, thank you, Eric, so, so much for making time from your busy schedule and speaking with us today on environment and so much more. And especially, you know, bringing that optimism about how India can bring about change in the, in the world as well as you know improve the environment issues that india itself is facing and we really want to show utmost gratitude for the work that you are doing to help india and and inspire youth in making that happen and so we really are grateful for you and your time and all your contributions
1: thank you so much it's my honor to be on your great podcast thank you so much
0: thank you We'll speak soon. Have a wonderful evening in Oslo. Thank you, Eric.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you you for listening to our show today. You can find out more about Sacred Balance, Technology of Inner Engineering, our guest, and the topics covered from the show notes attached to the series and the episode. We would appreciate your balanced feedback on the ratings in the review section. Until next time, a world full of love, light, and laughter. Let's make it happen.